to the flower shop. He was in a hurry, and he's and he uh, the clerk said, well, "You know, I'm sorry, uh, we don't have potted geraniums. Could you use African violets instead?" And the man said, "Sadly, no. It was geraniums. My wife told me to water while she was gone." So. Kind of what I figured would happen. Okay. You are either coming out of a failure, or you are in the middle of a failure, or you're getting over a failure. Now, that's a great way to start a message, isn't it? Because you're in one of those positions. And life does that for us. When you go down the path of life, you will encounter, suffer, failure will touch your life in some way. Can you say amen to that? It's true. It's true. Um, whether you're uh, having kids and raising kids and, and there's no blueprint for it, you can read the Bible. It tells you some things you should do as a parent with kids, uh, like paddle them. It would be okay. Don't beat them, but, you know, uh, discipline them. Uh, I agree with Bryant. We live in a time when discipline is not on high on people's radar. But it's a very important thing to do, to, to be a, a part of your life. Um, as we've walked in our walk with God, as we've walked in our walk in life, we've discovered that failure will sometimes creep into our lives. Failure needs to be viewed as an opportunity. Don't let the failure get you to a point where you can't function. History teaches us that. I'm going to tell you about a guy who had a lot of failure in his life. <clears throat> then I want you to guess who it is. At age 22, he lost his job. At 23, he was defeated in his run for state legislature. At 24, he failed his, in, in his new business. At age 26, his lifelong sweetheart passed away. At age 27, he had a nervous breakdown. At, tw- at age 29, age 34, and age 45, he was once again defeated over and over for political office. At age 45, he was defeated in his run for U.S. Senate. At age 47, he was defeated in his nomination for vice president. At age 49, he was once again defeated in his run for Senate. At age 51, he became the president of the United States. Who am I talking about? That's right. Some would say Barack Obama. It wasn't Brother Obama. It wasn't him. It was Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln, as you can see from the story, had a lot of failure. A lot of failure in his life. But it didn't stop him. Randy Alcorn is a pastor that uh, out in California. And he made this statement. A faith that cannot be shaken is a faith that has been shaken. Isn't that a great one? A faith that cannot be shaken is a faith that has been shaken. So coming out of failure, learning how to deal with failure, positions you for what God may have in store for your life. One of the hardest things to encounter is failure. How many of you believe that? It's hard. You don't, you don't want to make a mistake. It's tough. And when you have teenagers that you're raising teenagers, there's something magical that happens from the age 12 to the age 13. When the word teen is after their number, 
there's just something about it. They lose all sense of being. They lose all sense of who they are. Their mouths go nuts. Their thoughts go nuts. They don't listen anymore. And then by the time they're 20, it kind of shifts back a little bit. Not much. Not much. Hopefully by the time they're 50, it's kind of kicked back into gear. But some of them, I don't think it's ever going to kick back into gear. Have you discovered that? My greatest lesson in life was the first year I went to Bible college. My mother did all my, all my laundry. Because that's what moms did back then. And so, I got to do my own laundry in college. Funds were limited. I've told you this story before, but it bears saying again. Because I was a big failure on laundry. I just threw it all in. And I always heard, the hotter the water, the better. So, I flipped up hot, hot, full. I had just enough money to get a load of laundry done, so I threw it all in there. I wore pink underwear for a long time. I learned. My mother became a tremendous asset to me. I've got a couple of quotes on failure I want to throw up for you. The first one is, success builds character, failure reveals it. Success builds character, failure reveals it. Winston Churchill had a great quote. He said, success is the ability to go from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. Success is the ability to go from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. So we're going to talk about failure today. And we're going to begin, uh, if you've got your outline in front of you, uh, we've got our passage uh, in John 21. It's a long passage, but... Um, We're going to look at it in just a few minutes. But I want you to go back to John 13 in your Bibles. Because in John 13, I want you to recall that Peter was this quick-tempered fisherman who was, he was big, he was burly, and he had given his life to fishing when he was told by Jesus, come follow me. So he left his fishing nets, left his family business, and began to follow Jesus, and became a part of the inner circle of disciples that Jesus was putting together. And in John 13, Jesus makes a prediction. Jesus says that one of these days, someone in this group is going to betray me. Now, Jesus is talking about Judas. We know that in hindsight. He's talking about Judas. But Peter stood up and he said, Not me, Lord. I'll never deny you. I'll never betray you. Good old Peter. That's why all of us identify with Peter. Because... We're not ever going to deny Christ. We're not ever going to do that. And yet when we have an opportunity, what do we do? Keep our mouth shut. It's not, it's not good. You know, I, I admire uh, somebody who in the midst of anger, somebody does something to them and they respond in a very calm and very gracious way. You know, that just happened uh, with our... Uh, White House uh, spokesperson. You know, she was at dinner with her family. I didn't realize she had a big family. Seven people. <laughs> They're eating dinner, and the and the owner of the restaurant didn't like them being there because she works for Donald Trump. So they, she, the owner said, "Leave. I don't want to serve you food." So she graciously got up and left. Instead of making a big scene about it, she got up and left. 
Her money will spend down the street at another restaurant as good as it would there. Amen. So she just got them left. I, I like that. It says a lot about her character. And we need to be that way in life. Even when failure comes, just be gracious and, and handle it. And then move forward from it. But Jesus spoke into Peter's life. And he says, hey, Peter, don't be so quick. Uh, there'll be a time and an hour uh, of my greatest need where you will deny me three times before the morning. And then we fast forward to John 18. And it was Good Friday and Jesus was arrested. Caused fear in the life of the disciples because they thought if they arrested our leader, hey, we're next. So a group of guys who had been given their life to follow Jesus, they scattered. They thought, man, let's split up so that we're not all caught together. Peter stayed close by because he wanted to see what was happening. And the story says that as he was warming himself up by a fire, young lady looks across and says, hey, I recognize you. You're one of those guys that was with Jesus. And Peter says, not me. Not me. And three times he denies Jesus. And the last time, a rooster crows. And then Peter remembers the prophecy that Jesus said way back in John 13. That he would deny Jesus three times. And instantly Peter felt like a failure. He ran. He ran back to the family business of fishing. So now we are three days later, maybe four days later, and after the resurrection, and Peter has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, and we pick up the story in John 21. So follow along with me there in your notes. I want you to listen closely. Start at verse 1. Later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is what happened. Several disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, on down the line. Verse 3, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Of course, you know, he's a fisherman, so uh, we'll come too, they all said. So they went into the boat, but was how many did they catch, does it say? Nothing. Nothing. All night long they fished nothing. Verse 4, at dawn the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, but they couldn't see who it was. So he called out, friends, have you caught any fish? And they replied, No. Verse 6, thanks to the one who <laughs> responded. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you will get plenty of fish. So they did and they couldn't draw in the net because there were so many fish in that net. Verse 7, then the disciples who Jesus loved. Of course, that was John, the writer of the gospel. And he said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped down for work, and he jumped from the boat and he swam ashore. The other stayed with the boat. Verse 9, when they got there, they saw that a charcoal fire was burning and the fish were frying over it. I bet your great-grandma's, you could smell that chicken. Can you imagine getting up in the morning and have fried, what do you have, fried chicken? Mashed potatoes, gravy. Whoo, glory to God. Do you have pie? No pie? Oh, she's slipping now. We're going to have to get... Well, if you're going to put the other stuff out there, throw some pie on top of it. Amen. Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus said to John and Peter, Now, here's where failure restoration begins. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Question number one. 
Yes, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Question number two, same question. Yes, yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, once more he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that Jesus asked the question a third time. Three times Peter denies Jesus around the fire. Three times Jesus restores Peter around a different fire. Are you seeing how he's working? Lord, Peter said, you know everything. You know I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Verse 19. Going back to the original words that Jesus gave to Peter when they first when he first called him. Jesus says, then Jesus told him, follow me. Now there's a lot going on in this story. Uh, but I want you to turn over in your notes. And I'm going to give you four ways that you can find unshakable faith in the face of failure. First one. I have to face the emotions of my failure. I have to face the emotions of my failure. Because you see, no matter how strong you are, if you fail at something that is important to you, you're going to be face to face with some pretty powerful emotions. Having been around the football program for 23 years, and watching them win state championships and watch them lose state championships, I remember the emotions given by both. When they won the championship, oh my goodness, elation. And when they lost, oh my goodness, you'd have thought somebody died the way they're carrying on. Because they're crying. I mean, it's just amazing. Even the coaches, they go from this point of ecstasy down to this point of despair. If they would have just played like we told them, if they'd have just done it. Because it always hinges on one or two plays throughout a whole game like that. And it can go either way real fast. I remember in 1998, Union had the, I mean, they had the team of all teams. Seven of them, I think, went to Division I colleges. They were amazing. They even had their t-shirts on that said state champions on them at the warm-up before the game started. They had taken the uh, uh, banquet room at the Best Western Hotel and had already decorated it. Welcome state champions. They'd already done that because they were so convinced that they were invincible and nobody could beat them. And we did. <laughs> And then I can remember the year that we should have beat. We were that team. We had the studs. We had the players. And then they beat us. Failure. What do you do with that? I have to face the emotions of my failure. Because the emotions will come. Some of them are very powerful. Peter threw his hands up. And he went back to what he knew best. And that was to fish. He went back to that. And so Jesus is trying to help Peter prepare for his future. Peter stopped fishing for fish and started fishing for men. Jesus was saying, I want you to be a spiritual leader. I want you to be a disciple. I want you to follow me. I want you to do something more important than catching fish. So Peter did. 
And after Peter failed Jesus, he gave up and went back to being that fisherman. Surely you and I can relate to him at some level. Because when we fail at something, whether it's a job or a relationship or a marriage, uh, maybe it's a personal goal that we set and we didn't meet, uh, these a barrage of emotions start coming in. Well, I'll just go back and do what I've always done. I just you just throw up your hands and say, I'm just not going to drive anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to push anymore. I'm just oh well. I'm just going to give up. A study was done with men and women trying to show what failure they took the hardest. Men, the hardest failure for them to take is in their career and their job because so much of their life is built around that. For women, their greatest failure is with relationships, with friends, or their marriage. If their marriage doesn't work out, man, they're, it just it tears them apart. Friendships, relationships. And when women fail at a relationship, they feel like failures because their identity is tied up into those relationships. But whatever it is you're going to fail at... You're going to have strong emotions related to it. Philippians 3.13 says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. The Apostle Paul is saying, Hey, I've failed. He says, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. See, he's always looking to the future. Psychological studies show that there are serious emotions that everyone goes through when we fail at something that's important to us. I've listed them there in your outline. Uh, They start with shock, and then fear, anger, and blame, and then on to shame. A lot of people get stuck with shame. I'll come back to that in a minute. But then there's despair. Despair is when you hit rock bottom and you want to give up. There's nothing wrong in feeling these emotions after a big failure happens. There's nothing wrong with feeling these emotions. But you can't let these emotions drive the rest of your life. I'd have never found Cindy if I'd have never tried to date another girl. Because I had dated other girls before I met Cindy, I knew what I was looking for. And God put her in my life Because I needed what she could bring to my life. Did I walk out of that one okay? Just relax, people. Just relax. You've taught me a lot since I've been here. And her what back there? uh Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Little bitty girl come from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was a senior in college. She was a freshman. I should have had... Shouldn't have had any trouble taking her out on a date. Should have just been, she should have asked me. I mean, really, come on. I mean, let's be real here. I'm stepping in it again, aren't I? Okay. See, the problem is not failure. The problem is getting stuck in failure. The danger is getting stuck. Two keys to facing strong emotions. These aren't in your eyelids, so write these down. Number one, you need godly people around you who are always pushing you and encouraging you to not get stuck in some emotion that can paralyze you. You need godly people around you. And secondly, 
You have to go to Jesus with that failure. Go to him. Take it to him. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Would you underline that phrase that he understands our weaknesses? He knows our failures. It says, For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly, circle that word boldly, come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it the most. Underline that phrase. We'll find grace to help us when we need it the the most. Before I met Cindy, I was engaged to another girl. I went home, I broke up with her, and I went home to work at my home church for the summer, and I thought, you know, I'll get a little counsel from my mom, and she'll understand, and she'll put her arms around me and just say, hey, it's okay. And I was talking to her one day, and I said, you know, this really hurt me to, to have to break up with this girl, and and my mom, my mom real quickly, rather than say, well, that's okay, son, you know, you, you, we all, we all make choices that sometimes we were, here's what my mother said. She goes, well, you fall in love too quick anyway. That was it. Her sage advice. But it taught me a great lesson. So I prayed and I just said, Lord, I'll go back to college and if I don't ever find anybody, it'll be okay. Because I, all I need is you. So I got back to college and guess who I found? And for 41 years, we've been partners in life. It's fantastic. It's an amazing journey. Let me take you to number two real quick. Allow my failures to draw me closer to God. God wants to use your failure to draw you close to Him. When Peter messed up, when he failed Jesus, he gave up and he went back and became a fisherman. I think, in essence, he was giving up on God. And that's one of the big points of this Unshakable Faith series. is whenever the storms of life come at you, whether it's failure or something else, you can do one of two things. You can either let that storm push you further from God or... You can allow those storms to pull you closer to God and pull you into His arms. Initially, Peter went the other direction, but Jesus didn't give up on Peter. Look at the next passage there in your outline. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, got into the water and swam ashore. The other stayed in the boat. I mean, you need to picture this. They go, it's, it's Jesus on the shore. So they're trying to get the boat ready to go into shore. And all of a sudden they hear this, and Peter is swimming his way to shore. He was hungry for what Jesus had to give him. And so he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait. So a question I want to ask you, and I want you to write this down in your outline somewhere. I want you to answer this question. So where are you at today? Where are you at today? Is there a relationship that's ended, a marriage that's on the rocks, a job that you just lost, a career that's not working the way you want it to? Is there sin in your life 
Is there a reoccurring sin that you can't seem to conquer? Makes you feel defeated. You fail at it. You feel like you don't deserve God's love. Well, I want you to understand. If you're letting failure, whatever kind of failure it is, if you're letting that push you away from God, you need to jump out of the boat. You need to jump out of that boat and get back to the Lord as fast as you can. Look at our next verse, our memory verse, uh, Deuteronomy 31.6. We didn't even share that. We went right past that, didn't we? Well, here it is. It's right there in, in your uh, outline. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Isn't that a powerful verse? It's a powerful verse. That leads us to the third step toward unshakable faith when we're facing failure. Number three, identify and learn from the source of my failure. Identify and learn from the source of my failure. If you can't learn from your failure, you can't move on to something better. I loved watching our coaches coach kids. Uh, Kim had a great, uh, you know, girls golf team this year. And, uh, boy, they, they went pretty far in the playoffs and, you know, he said, boy, they're young though. Man, they're young. But they, they bought into what he was teaching them. That's what got them to where they are. I was watching, I've watched Bryant over these years to coach these, uh, young cornerbacks. And the cornerback position on a football team on defense is one of the most important positions you have because normally you're going against the number one player that the other team has. And you gotta know how to cover them. You gotta know how, how to, you know, I, I had no idea you had to learn how to shift your hips. Oh, I shift my hips all the time, <laughs> but they're not, it's not as productive as what he's trying to teach them to do. They taught, they taught them techniques on how to stay close to that receiver so that they could make the play and not get burned on it. And it was fun to watch them coach. And it was even more fun to watch the light bulb go off in the player's head when he finally realized what he was teaching him. But they needed to be burned a couple of times to get the lesson. Yeah, they needed to be burned a couple of times. And guess what? They got burned a couple of times. Now, look, this is what I love about our coaches. Most of them don't yell and scream. They just go over and look at them and say, is that what I taught you? No. Well, then why don't you play like I taught you? So they go out in the second half and they play like they were taught. And boy, oh my goodness, looks like we have an All-American here. Just all of a sudden. It's because they're doing what God or the coaches taught them. And yet, we can do the same thing in our life. When God teaches us, we should learn from that. And then make the changes in our life. Back to John 21. After breakfast, Jesus turned to Simon Peter and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, you got to understand these three questions build on themselves. And he uses three different Greek words for do you love me? The first one is agape. Do you unconditionally love me? The second one is phileo. Do you love me like a brother? And then uh, the the third one, the third one is um, the, uh, it's a softer kind of love. It's not agape. It's not phileo. It's just a softer kind of love. And so what he's trying to get Peter to understand is, 
I want you to love me the way you need to love me. With everything you've got. Self-sacrificing and everything you've got. Come get it. And you'll only get it when you and I are in a relationship with each other. Because failure is an integral part of our growth. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to to His purpose for them in their life. Number four, listen for and obey God's new plan for me. So after failure, God will give you a plan. If you listen for it and you say, God, what's this new plan that you have for me? And when you give your failure over to God, God in exchange gives you a new plan. Zig Ziglar, Christian businessman, author, said this, Failure is a detour, not a dead end. Failure is a detour, not a dead end. And that's true with God. It's really true with God. And when you give that failure over to God, God in exchange will fill you with faith. Proverbs twenty four sixteen: The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Watching evil people practice and they they get tripped up. They don't know how to respond. But you put a godly person out there and a godly person trips up. They come back to God. They get around God and they get, they get huddled in with God and let God's arms reach around them. Well, they get back up and they make it happen. How many times does Proverbs say they got... The godly may trip seven times, but they get up again. Each time you fall, you get up. Each time you fall, you get up. Don't stay down. It's not falling that's the problem. It's staying down that's the problem. Get up. Get up. Your failure does not prevent you from being used by God. Get back up. Hand it to God. Learn from it. Then listen for His new plan. Your failure is not final with God. It's not final. And I want you to understand something. Peter, Peter went on to be restored. How do I know that? Because, uh, he becomes the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He becomes the primary spokesperson at the day of Pentecost. He works miracles in the lives of many people. He started the missionary movement that over the next 40 years turned the known world at that time upside down. All of this happened after his failure. Not before, after his failure. Joshua chapter 1 through 7 and chapters um, 8 and 9. Joshua was a great military leader. Joshua has the worst defeat of his military career. He thought it was over. And you find Joshua, he's desperate, he's ashamed, he's down and out. He begins to give his failure over to God. He begins to learn the lessons from his failure. And then he starts to listen, and God has a new plan for him. And look in Joshua chapter 7 and verse 10, it's there in your outline. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up! Why are you lying on your face like this? Get up! It's not over yet. The battle is still raging. we still got time. Get up, man. We can do this. We can win. We can fight. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Or are you just ready to sit back and go, well, it's done. So we're big deal.
I just love that. I just love it that he says to Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face like that? Get up. If you're coming out of a failure, God says, get up. I got something new for you. If you're going to, if, if you're going through a failure, God says, get up. I have something new for you. If you know that a failure is going to be in your future or when it comes, just listen and you'll hear from God and He'll say, first off, get up. Get up. We got work to do. Let's go. And Peter continues to be a leader and historians tell us that there came a day where Peter, like Jesus, was arrested for his faith. And they were going to crucify Peter. And Peter said, not like Jesus, not like my Savior, not like my Master. So they crucified Peter upside down. I bet that was painful. But nothing compared to what Jesus went through. Can you imagine? That was during the time of Nero. (laughs) And he wasn't a very fun guy to be arrested under. From fisherman to follower to failure, but being restored to being a leader, to being a martyr for the faith. Now that's unshakable faith. And God gives us that type of faith when we take the same steps that Peter took after we face failure. So what failure are you facing today? Career? Financial? Relational? Something in your heart you you just know it's not right? If you'll hand that over to God... He'll meet you more than halfway. And He'll bring restoration. Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 and 32 is the unpardonable failure. People have asked me over the years, what's the unpardonable sin? Uh, boy, if I, had an, if I could tell you that definitely, I would. There's not a sin that's unpardonable. Not a sin. That's a lifestyle that you develop. But the unpardonable failure, it's there in your outline. I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you this. The unpardonable failure is not following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The unpardonable failure is not following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because if you don't follow Christ, then you're denying Christ. It's that unwillingness to surrender to Christ. It's un, it's that uh, unwillingness to die to yourself and let someone have preeminence in your life. So today, for the first time, for some of you, take care of it. Uh, but I'm probably safe in saying that everybody in this room has found the Lord as their Savior, but maybe they've slipped away. Maybe they're not walking the walk that they know is pleasing to God. Well, I want you to know one thing, that Jesus can become a real hero to you. What failure you're facing, take it back to God, and He can turn that into a blessing. But that all depends on you. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we bow our heads and come to you in prayer. We ask that you encourage us through your Spirit to rely on you when we have made a mistake that we'll get up from that mistake and we'll press on we'll take that mistake to you we will understand that our first line of recovery is coming to you and from that coming we then will find victory because you will show us a new way so god i'm just praying that people in this church the people in this room today will say in their heart heart of hearts 
I can do better than what I'm doing now. I can do more than I've been doing. I've been coming to church. I'm sitting and listening to messages. I'm getting a little bit of offering. But God, there's more I could do. Would you help me do, do more? God, if, if in their desire you see sincerity, would you move in them? Would you stir in them? So that they become the people that you want them to become. And Father, in the midst of failures, will we always stop, bring it back to you, stand up with you, and wait for you to turn it around and move us in a different direction. And God, whatever unshakable faith they need in the midst of what failures they're facing, would you bring healing and forgiveness? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Always offer a hymn of invitation. Today we do that as well. Let's stand and sing.